is Cole Zerman, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good afternoon, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Whitney Pittman. In studio, we'll get an update from Bismarck with Sierra Doctor. A third soybean crush plant is coming to North Dakota. Epitome Energy plans to build a 42 million bushel per year facility on the north side of Grand Forks. The same project was announced nearly three years ago in Crookston, but Epitome CEO Dennis Egan said there was no path forward with that site. After 16 months of being in the air permitting process, and even though MPCA put out a air permit for public comment, uh, we had been working with them on some issues and, and they just wanted to proceed uh, with some components in there that no other crush facility was going to be held to. And um, it just, when you look at it from an equity standpoint and partner standpoint um, and having to compete with other brand new facilities and being held to um, a different standard, it just made it really problematic. Soybean crush facilities are also being built at Spiritwood and Castleton, North Dakota. Eakin says North Dakota has a rigorous permitting system, but there is certainty with this process. Epitome Energy is purchasing this site from Northern Plains Rail. They've got um, acreage just north of Grand Forks, uh, and so um, we're capturing some land that they have and uh, looking at putting in a loop track and partnering with uh, Northern Plains Rail to get that part done. And so we have a letter of intent signed uh, and we'll uh, exercise and, and put an option together. And um, that should probably take about another month. And uh, we've talked to all the utility players and, and believe that we've got um, all of the utilities that can be um, out at the site by fall of 25 as well. Again, construction is scheduled to begin next summer. That plant should be operational in time for the 2025 soybean harvest. The full interview with Egan can be found on the Red River Farm Network website. The first of its kind study showing economic contributions of agriculture in North Dakota Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has that story. NDSU researchers can now break down agriculture's impact on North Dakota. A new study shows agriculture contributes $30.8 billion to the state's economy, 24% of which is value-added agriculture. The study also breaks down employment numbers to show over 110,000 total jobs are affected by ag, with labor income totaling over $7 billion. NDSU Vice President for Agricultural Affairs, Greg Lardy, says the study highlights how important agriculture is to the state. This study really demonstrates a, a baseline number for us to use that, that shows the economic impact of this, the agricultural industry in the state. Um, you know, when you think about uh, the importance of agriculture across, you know, all of North Dakota, but specifically, you know, what it means to employment, what it means to dollars that are turning in local economies across the state. This study really gives us a baseline data to talk about that with some quantitative numbers. Lardy says ag leaders can utilize this study when making better legislative decisions by measuring growth. 
I think a wide number, I think it'll be utilized in a wide variety of ways. Uh, certainly from the standpoint of, you know, it provides research-based information for uh, people that want to quantify or need to know the, the quantity of economic impact in the state. I think our commodity groups are going to use it in terms of how they will approach conversations with value-added businesses and those sorts of things. I think our elected officials will find value in it because they can point to it as a conclusive study in terms of here's the, the real dollars that are flowing across the industry. And I think it's it's going to be used as a baseline uh, and that number will you know be studied again in future years. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum says North Dakota is in a unique position as a nationally recognized CO2 storage location. I think there's an exciting future for agriculture uh, in North Dakota. Always has been that way, but one of the things that is also attracting these value-added plants in North Dakota is our ability to store CO2. The demand, whether it's for carbon-negative flour, carbon-negative soybean oil, you don't have to believe in any ideology. You don't have to believe in any uh, point of view on climate change. You just have to believe in markets, and markets are demanding and asking for, and producers succeed when we give the market what they're asking for, and right now they're asking for everything from decarbonized baseload to decarbonized fuels, and it's actually a much smarter, better path for our country to produce decarbonized liquid fuels. Bergham. Burgum expects to see more value-added agriculture expansion in the state. We've been given a gift in North Dakota to be able to store CO2 here. We got the regulatory framework of permitting wells, pooling the land agreement, and creating, surviving the indemnity fund. I mean, the current administration was trying to kill this through both the EPA by not allowing permitting and killing it, you know, through the SEC by ESG rules. But North Dakota's created a path where the amount of capital billions that want to come here for value-added agriculture. Part of that reason they're coming here is because of our ability that we've created an ability for people to store CO2 and as of August get paid $85 a ton for, for storing that CO2. So an entire new revenue stream. North Dakota Farm Credit Services is hosting their 14th biannual Ag Leaders Forum today in Bismarck. The forum helps connect agriculture industry leaders with state legislators to discuss important trends and issues. That schedule this afternoon features NDSU economist Bill Wilson and Sarah Wyant with AgriPulse Communications. As we speak, the snow continues to come down in the Red River Valley and beyond. A second round of snow is expected to move into western North Dakota this afternoon and spread across the southern half of the state tonight and into tomorrow morning. American Farm Bureau economist and North Dakota native Bert Nelson explains. Now, this is currently forecast at 160.5 billion. This is up just under 14 percent, or 19 and a half billion dollars from 2021. Now, to put this into perspective a little bit, we have to think about things such as inflation to adjust this. So, when we adjust for inflation, the net farm income forecast is expected to increase closer to 10.7 billion. This is a 7.2% increase in contrast to that just shy of 14%. This is a little bit more than 50% above the 20-year average. Nelson says input costs and interest rates should be considered when thinking about this trend continuing long-term. The Fed has been using a series of interest rate hikes to 
control inflation, where farmers need operating capital, will be facing interest rates that are double or even triple what they've seen in the past few years. We think about taking on that debt load with operating capital. And as there is availability to credit right now, that can equate to higher debt-to-asset ratios going into the future. So right now, credit's expensive, but it's, it's there. In the future, that debt load is going to become a much bigger picture as we continue to face inflation and higher input costs. A U.S. Senate Ag Committee hearing was held today to discuss Farm Bill 2023 research programs. Ranking member of the U.S. Senate Ag Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry, Senator John Bozeman, touched on the importance of agriculture research as the world population climbs. Last month, the world population reached 8 billion people, and according to most projections, we were out at our next billion people in the next uh, 15 years. Our growing population will need access to affordable and high-quality grains, oils, and proteins. And the American farmer is well-positioned to meet this demand due to our continued investments in our academic institutions and agricultural research. While advancements in agriculture are being made, Senator Bozeman explains there's still much to do. As we begin drafting the new Farm Bill, our priorities must take into consideration what is happening on the international stage. The world has been teetering on the brink of a massive food crisis for some time now. It's my goal to deliver the Farm Bill that provides focus and clarity to USDA's research enterprise. American agriculture is best served when we target our efforts and have focused, well-funded, and flexible research programs that can have widespread impact and find broad stakeholder support. USDA announcing today a flash sale of 500,000 metric tons of soybeans, China purchasing 264,000 ton, the other 240,000 ton went to unknown destinations. Today's business is on top of some 300,000 tons of soybeans announced yesterday. The USDA will release the latest supply-demand estimates on Friday. The average trade guess calls for a 13 million bushel increase in soybean stocks. Midwest Market Solutions President Brian Hoops does not agree with that number. Hoops looks for a tightening of soybean stocks. USDA does not uh, update any U.S. yields in this report, so it's only demand prospects, but crush has been outstanding. So. I could see the, the uh, USDA increasing crush and, and lowering our soybean uh, ending stocks and leaving exports unchanged. But um, I was surprised last report back in November, USDA didn't make any changes to the corn balance sheets. Uh, I really thought they should have lowered corn exports 50 to 100 million bushels and increased their ending stocks. They left things alone. I think they really have to do something this this report because we're 48 percent behind last year's pace already. USDA has issued its final rule implementing a contract library pilot program to improve transparency and competition in the cattle market. Any meatpacker with more than five percent of the annual national cattle supply must report marketing information by the end of each month. The data collected includes cattle numbers, the purchase price and contract timelines. Information that would identify the farmer or rancher will not be included in those reports. Welcome to Inside Agriculture here on the Red River Farm Network. 
It has been a time of incredible change in the energy market. CHS Executive Vice President of Energy, Darren Hunoff, says demand has grown considerably. If I look at specifically the refined fuels or gasoline and diesel fuel markets, uh, a year ago, Don, we were talking about coming out of COVID where we didn't have as much demand for the product. We had refineries across the country, a few of them shutting down or converting to renewable diesel, so the available supply was going down. Since we then talked, uh, the demand has come back. So the country's using about the same amount of diesel fuel and gasoline as we were before the pandemic. But yet some of the production across the country, those refineries that shut down during those tough times, have not come back. So it's a classic. The demand has outrun the supply. The demand for low-carbon fuel is behind the growth for renewable diesel. Hanoff says soybean oil is the primary feedstuff for the renewable diesel, which creates opportunity in farm country. CHS is also closely monitoring the move to electric vehicles. Quite honestly, a lot of those EVs are being sold in the coasts and the big population markets. The Midwest is a, is a little bit slower to adopt in that regard. Uh, the other thing I think people need to remember is the average life of a motor vehicle in the U.S. is about 13 years. And so it's not that uh, EVs are likely to kind of take over in a, in a revolutionary kind of way. We think it'll be a bit of an evolution. Um, but we do think there's opportunities for the Senex brand in that as, as people do adopt electric vehicles. And where are they going to charge those vehicles? And we think there's a place for that in rural communities under the Senex brand. And that's something we're thinking about and beginning to develop. Checking markets, we're down five and three quarter cents for the May Minneapolis wheat, eight ninety six. The Chicago wheat for March down nine and three quarters. KC wheat March down twelve and a half. The March corn down three cents, six thirty seven and a half. July three and a quarter down. Soybeans for July fourteen fifty five and a quarter, seventeen and a half higher. March sixteen and a half higher. Soybean meal January four forty eight sixty, a gain of sixteen dollars fifty cents. Soybean oil down uh, about 86 cents. Winnipeg canola futures January 849.80 down 920, and we're seeing triple-digit losses in the cattle markets. This is the Red River Farm Network.